Blog Talk Radio. All right, welcome to the show. It's Stephen Brandt, and I want to welcome Keith in from some random football pitch in, in Cleveland, Ohio right now. I was a actually outside Columbus, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah, clo- close enough. You, you think, you Cleveland think I would know? Up, <laughs> you, you think I would know because I was actually born in Columbus, Ohio. Right, but, uh, right, we'll, right. We'll, We'll go through my blondness at a long, at a short time later. Um, we, once again, you're you're we're listening. To, you're listening to the L Card Podcast, the only Western New York soccer podcast. And Keith hasn't been to Western New York in years. Go figure on that one. Uh, decades, hey, I think. Ninety six was the last time I was in Buffalo. Wow, I don't even remember ninety six. But no, I'm just joking. I remember quite well. In fact. Never quite well. In fact, I'm not that damn young. Um, anyway, coming up to, coming up today, I, I do have a couple interesting questions, and what and one that MLS kicked up today, and I want to go to MLS HQ and smack them really freaking hard about. It. And this is not what Keith thinks it is. Um, I want to talk about the MLS versus the EPO friendlies, whereas whereas Man United can beat. The pants off the LA Galaxy, and it's just it's just it's just a friendly. But if New York Red Bulls beat Arsenal, it's it's a great win. Also, because I've heard the I've heard the side from Celtic about how Rangers fell apart, and there's a wonderful book out there by Paul Larkin called The Asterisk Years, and it is now a movie. It is now a full documentary that's going to be out. I think within about a month over in Scotland. I figured I wanted to get Keith's view on this. Now, Keith is a diehard Rangers fan, but he's not a stupid Rangers fan in that he doesn't admit there's some things that are wrong there. He's not wearing the blue-colored glasses. So I wanted to give him his his view on this. And I know after reading some of the emails from him, he, he, he was sitting there shaking his head. Also, Seth Platter decided to open up his mouth about the USA again, and I, I wish I wish there was a way like I like I talked about with Dracula, where we could sew his mouth shut com- completely, because we know that we know it's never going to happen. You know, what, just when I think Keith said I could do a show where there's not going to be much to talk about, MLS and Seth Platter open up their damn mouths, and it just Makes it a little bit more interesting. So, Not to mention the women's World Cup situation next year. Yeah, and that little and that little trophy that little trophy that Man United won down in Miami yesterday. Yesterday, the issue I have with it is that with the Southern Legion and ML and MLS Miami talking about how they have to have a team in Miami, I think that did a disservice to them because. First of all, they didn't know who was going down there in Miami, so the, the team wasn't the game wasn't sold out. And then they shot not off enough. They, they shot not off enough pyro. Yeah, not even close. And they also not shot off enough pyro. What? I mean, not even close, especially when you you get when they shot the shots from behind Simone Minule, The upper deck was mostly empty. You compare that to, you know, the big outhouse just three days earlier selling almost 110,000 tickets. 
Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and they also shot off an El Pyro during the game to declare World War Three on Canada. I mean, my God, about the first. What do you expect? <laughs> I mean. I, I'm watching this on TV before I sign up. You don't want to listen to JP, JP and Brian. And I, I love... Do you listen to enough? Does Brian McBride sound anything like Alexi Wallace to you? Mm, not really. There, there, were, there were people on Twitter during the game that were yelling at Alexi that he was saying things wrong on the match. Folks, Alexi works for only ESPN. Yes, he's on an exclusive. He's on an exclusive deal. I believe he's on an exclusive deal. Unlike John Strong, who I want to be when I grow up one of these days, who, who's working yeah, for both yeah. Fox and NBCSN. Yeah, or like Yanish Mahalik, who I think is a, is working for every outlet that has something to do with soccer. Because I, I was counting hey, it up I one day. I remember. Hey, I remember when Giannis Mahalik first turned professional back in the 1980s, okay? <laughs> I've known this guy for a long time. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, every so yeah, and Alexia would have to every so often. Live from Portland, which is not Miami. Live from Portland, I'm not Brian McBride. Or my name's Alexia. Actually, his first name is actually not even Alexia. It's something else. To be honest with you, really, I didn't he, know that. Yeah, his, his Alexis so Alexis middle, middle name. name. Okay. Yeah, Alexis his middle name, which is yeah. Oh. I read that. I was like, what the hell? So anyway, I mean, I I know you want a little bit about that whole Man United game next yesterday. Well, as we were talking about this earlier, well, well, first of all. J.P. Delacamera, one of the better lines, he said, you know, he mentioned, they talk about him being a friendly. When it's Manchester United and Liverpool, there's not usually much friendly about it. Now, admittedly, it wasn't like they were playing in the Premier League of the FA Cup, don't get me wrong. You know, there, was some, there was some bite to the game, especially in the second half. But, you know, I, the couple things that, that jumped out at me, is, first of all, I'm not taking this overly seriously. I'm not jumping up and down and saying, oh, we're back, we're back, we're back, we're back. I'm not going to say that. I saw some good things. I saw some good signs. And I, I, think, this, I think right now, uh, the way this is set up, that, man, you can finish in the top six. I think they will. But I think but there's one thing these two teams have in common, and I, we talked about this before during the day, younger players are going to have an impact. And in particular, two of the kind of, the two guys from Man U that kind of stood out for me. That's that one is I think is going to play a bigger role is Ashley Young. I think Ashley Young is going to play a much bigger role this year than he did last year. And number two, that kid, the number twenty owner Herrera, he saw he played as a defensive midfielder. He was very solid all the games I saw him play. I think he's going to be a big factor in this team as well. There'll be some others, and likewise the same with Liverpool that uh, that Emre kid. And in uh, eBay, uh, I think is how you pronounce eBay. I think is how you pronounce it. Those two, I think, are going to see some significant playing time as well. And I think that's going to be important, especially in Liverpool's case, because having the depth of the squad is going to be so much more important because of having to play in the Champions League this year. So that's you know, young players are going to feature prominently, I think, for both teams. And um, 
And the other qu- the other question I have with Liverpool, or I should say the question, but I think the other thing you're going to see on Liverpool, another young player I think is going to make a, may have an impact, at least needs to have an impact, is Raheem Sterling. You know, without Luis Suarez, Sturridge needs a partner. Sturridge can't do it himself, as good a player as he is. I think if Sterling can be that partner with Sturridge, that's going to be a very good partnership up front. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, you know, I, I, still think there, I still think there is one more big signing laying around, and I, I have no idea what it is. I mean, there... We we were joking we were joking with Liverpool fans is that every every time we get a good player off of Chelsea he tur- he turns into something special. Well, the next striker the next striker that we should have taken off of that was Alwakaku, but he went to he went to the little brother in Liverpool, which you know I should be mad that Everton decided to finally splash money and get Lukaku, but I'm actually not. Because it, it shows where the money is going, and I am glad that Roberto Martinez has a big time striker up there. Because if they had continued just doing it on free agents and loan signings, that would really waste Roberto Martinez there. And I don't want that. I want Roberto Martinez at a big, at a really big club, at a Real Madrid, at a and a Man City, and a Man U, and at Arsenal. I mean, I still have half a theory in the back of my head that Martinez is actually Arsene Wigner's uh, eventual successor. It just something keeps tweaking me in the back of my head that he's the one that's going to replace Arsene Wagner in about a year yeah. or two. He, cer- he certainly could. I don't think any question. I, I think you made a great point about Everton is spending money. I think they realize with a Roberto Martinez. They have a guy where if you give him some more resources, you know, something they did, you know, they, they looked at David Moyes, they didn't give him a whole lot of resources because he kept, kept, kept the team in the top half of the same location contending for Europe. But if you realize now, hey, if you got a manager who knows what he's doing, Martin that certainly does, that give him some more money, who knows what might happen. You certainly, especially, and especially I think that the, the Everton manager also realizes that you know Liverpool now being what they are, they realize they have to keep up. There's no question they cannot fall too far behind in that Merseyside derby. So I think that it's it's a, it's a smart move on the part of management and Everton to realize what a great manager they have in Martinez. But like you said, there's a pretty good possibility he's not long for that club, depending on events elsewhere. You know, Wenger, I can see him going to Arsenal, but you know the question is, you know. How long is Wenger going to be at this? You know, keep in mind they're spending somebody at Arsenal this year too, and so this is going to be kind of an acid test year for Wenger as well. It's like, okay, you've been finishing the top four all these times, but you haven't done a whole lot in Europe. You haven't really contended for the title. Okay, now we're going to splash out some money at long last, which everybody's been yelling for, and let's see what you can do with it. We know what Martinez can do with it. And now the question is, can Wenger do the same? That would be that would be completely interesting. Now, my other, the other thing is, and his mouth this morning that the United States has finally decided to go to a FIFA window, to which MLS opened up his mouth. The president of MLS, not um, Commissioner Big Ears, has said that's not going to happen for a long, long time. 
this kicked yeah, up the Don Garber, Yeah, Don Garber had the same said, problem ever again. And yeah. I know, and what you, what you were about to say about Don Garber. Yeah, well, what, first of all, when Don Garber talked about this at the MLS Cup final last year, he said it had been discussed, but they realized that's down the road, a long way down the road. He made that clear. And, you know, where Seth Blatter got his information, I don't know. Uh, Sports Nation, um, or um, SB Nation, I should say, uh, had a, had this story uh, because it originally came from um, – What's his name? It was the 24th minute on Twitter. Uh, he, he, he's up in Toronto, and he had it was a quote um, that from Seth Blatter directly at a press conference because they're having the under 20 Women's World Cup up there, uh, mostly on turf, and we'll get to that issue here later. But I don't know where he got the information, Seth Blatter, I mean, but the story yeah. NFB Nation pretty much rubbish should say, hey, here's what they've said in MLS even before, this is even before the statement. Um, from whoever it was after the fact. They said before you, Garber has said this is a long way down the road. And, and I'll be honest, I was talking, I was tweeting back and forth with uh, the Corner of the Galaxy people, and very clearly, I've said this before, you put MLS on the September May schedule, the league is dead in three years. End of story. You combine the attendance drop because of the weather, the media attention drop because of all you're competing against, I, the simple fact is, right now, for the most part, MLS competes with Major League Baseball and, to some extent, the NFL. And that's partially because the NFL is 24-7-355 now. So, but compared with starting in September, you're going to get baseball playoffs, the bulk of the football season, the bulk of the college, college football season, the start of college basketball and the NBA and the NHL, and then in the spring, you've got the NCAA tournament, you got NBA and NHL playoffs, uh, baseball games, uh, just too much competition for media attention, not to mention sponsors. So it, it, it's, it would not be a smart thing to do uh, for MLS. Like I said, I, I said before on the show we talked about it, the only reason I could see them doing it is that Don Garber got all the owners together and said, you know what, well, we've had a great run, but now it's time to, you know, let's, Let's cut and get a big tax deal by folding this thing up now and and kill it off. Best way to do that: play in the wind. So no, not going to happen. Exactly. Now, you mentioned another one we wanted wanted to bring up: the um, women in women in the turf. The turf. They have they have gotten counsel now. So I mean, what does this what does this mean now? Well, first of all, you know, for the, the under-20 Women's World Cup is being played in Canada starting tomorrow, and four of the six venues have turf. And uh, five of the six venues that will be used next year in the full uh, the senior Women's World Cup also have turf. Players, about 40 players, none Canadian, by the way, curiously enough, have retained counsel in both the United States and Canada, saying that, this is a violation of Canadian laws on equality. It's a violation of the Canadian Charter on Human Rights. It's a violation of any other um, uh, European laws and uh, rights declarations that are in place as well. Yet Abby Wambach has been very outspoken on this, uh, saying it is, it, it is a double standard. They are treating the women the same. Megan Rapinoe was even more direct about saying this is discrimination pure and simple. But here's, ladies, 
I admire you for taking the stand. I'm glad you're doing this. But the simple fact is, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Keep in mind, you're dealing with an organization whose head, Seth Blatter, has said that the women's game will be more appealing if they wore, quote, tighter shorts and wore feminine uniforms, unquote. Okay? With that kind of attitude in place, what makes you think they're going to listen to you? <laughs> okay? They're not. They're just going to ignore you and say, you know what? You don't like it. You don't have to play. At, be- at best, that's what will happen. It will still be ignored. Just, no, at best, they'll be ignored. At will still be told, hey, look, you don't like it. You don't have to play. So this it's a great it's a great choice. I'm glad they're doing it, but it's going to be purely symbolic. It's going to go nowhere in a hurry, and you know the story will end, and they'll all, and barring something very very strange, uh, they'll all play because what alternative do they have? It's either that or sit it out. You, they're not going to sit it out. It's 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 kind of like um, it's like if you've ever seen the movie Youngblood, the late Patrick Swayze has a great line. I won't quote it directly, but I'll come close because there are women involved. It's, 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 he said, they, he tells Rob Lowe, they've got us right where they want us because we all want to play so badly. And that's what it is. Players want to play. It's why you don't see players in college challenging the, the rules of a draft in professional leagues because it'll take too long and they want to play. It is why it took so long for somebody to step up and take action against the NCAA in a lawsuit. It's why it was hard to even get current college athletes to get in on the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit, okay? They want to play, and the simple fact is you have a limited time, a limited window of opportunity if you're a professional athlete. And so I'm glad they're speaking up. I really am. I'm, I, it's great to see that, but the simple fact is it's a useless, empty gesture that will go absolutely nowhere with the people of FIFA. Well, and we, we know we know how backward and sexist FIFA is. I mean, for God's sake, yeah. Scudamore still has his job after all the junk he's done. And, yeah, because there was another story I saw. Gary Lineker was interviewed about about Qatar uh, Qatar 2022, and he said it's quote ludicrous that they're having the World Cup there. He said how you know didn't anybody realize it gets hot there in the summertime? He called FIFA a quote dictatorship unquote. And he said the one thing that, yes, if they did it, it would work to change things. Because there's, there's two angles you have to go with this sort of thing to take down this kind of corruption and, um, and power. Number one is, the, is, is, as Mark Felt told Bob Woodward during Watergate, follow the money. You know, the money is the two-meter ventilation shaft in the Death Star. It's the weak point. And that's where the sponsors come in. It's why... You know, occasionally, um, you know, you've seen sponsors pulling out of controversial TV shows or radio shows or whatever the case may be uh, to bring about a change. It's what it's the best angle to approach this. You want you want to see for the change. You go after all their sponsors and get them to put the pressure on FIFA to change things. The other option, which Lindgren brought up, is for uh, is for people to say, you know what, we're not going to join your tournaments anymore. There's only one problem with that. Very few will go along with it. The only way that works is if everybody gets in on it. And if you don't believe me, look up 1980 and 1984 Summer Olympic Game boycotts, okay? In addition to accomplishing absolutely nothing from this end, I mean, the only thing thing boycotting the Moscow Olympics did for President Carter is to deny a bunch of Americans their one chance to compete in the Olympics. You know, what, 
what made Hamilton Jordan think that would get guys to the Soviet Union and Afghanistan is beyond me. I'll never know. But, and, of course, the Soviets boycotted in retaliation four years later. So what you had is you had two watered-down Olympics. And the simple fact is that's what would happen. Some nations might consider boycotting FIFA tournaments, but most wouldn't. And so you have, depending on who, who uh, pulled out, you have watered-down tournaments. And that accomplishes nothing. FIFA's still running the show. They're still in charge. And there's parallels to the NCAA here. It's that simple. The similarities are are more than people realize. And as I said before in the show, people don't realize FIFA is not an athletic version, it's not football's version of the United Nations. It's an oligarchy. A couple of guys, a bunch of guys in suits running the whole show, they, they do things the way they want to do it. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. You know, it's, you know, there are very few laws that cover this kind of thing, you know, whether it be corruption or payoffs or whatever the case may be. And I know, you know Switzerland has looked to maybe change some legislation in regards to that sort of thing because these people like FIFA and the IRC are based there. But you know, the only way the changes are going to come out as far as national federation is concerned is if they all get together, all 200-some of them, and say, we're not playing. If nobody shows up, then you can teach eight. But that's not going to happen. And, you know, that, that's the whole thing. It, it's, it, you can't, it, it's the same reason why it's so hard to, to organize um, you know, college athletes in any kind of, you know, what do you call it, union trade association, whatever the case may be, because there's just so many of them. There's just too many of them. And you're not going to get them all to agree. And... I mean, the same thing applies here. The, these national federations, they're, they're all going to look out for their own best interests. If they feel their own best interest is to stay with the corrupt system, they're going to do it. And so it's, it, 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 you know, without attacking the money source in some way, it's hard to bring about the change in this kind of organization because you know, they, they basically put themselves, you know, the founders put themselves into this place, and you know, you can't, it's, getting them out is difficult. You know, you know what we actually have to do? The society's done this once. We need to get Woodward and Bernstein back together. Have them go, have them go into this. If you get Woodward and Bernstein after after something, that heads roll. I mean, that thought you know, well, this, this is, you know, there's a there's a big difference in the political structure. There's public records involved in some way at yeah. some point in time. You don't have that here when you're dealing with a FIFA or IOC or whatever the case may be. But it's it still would be cool to see what Woodward and Bernstein oh, I'd love do to see it. it. Don't get me wrong. I, I I was I was as you were talking, I was googling because I know what I know. Bob Woodward is still writing. I didn't even know I didn't even know Carl Bernstein yeah. was still alive and still because I know yeah, he, he is, had one. He is. I know he, he is just still alive. Bob something. Woodward has written. Uh, Bob Woodward has been writing books uh, about um, about both Bush administrations, about the Clintons. Uh, he's he's been he's still been. Do, if you want book writing, he's the dude who read the newspaper reporting. But yes, Bob Woodward is still uh, very active with his writing. Yeah, I, I knew I knew Woodward. I knew Bob Woodward was still alive because I had seen him recently. I didn't know Carl Bernstein was still around because I, yes, I don't play. I don't pay attention to that. It's definitely big news. Trust me, both of them will. Be. Yeah. Yeah, that that would be, that would be fun. Or maybe we need to find a new deep throat. Or, but we won't. We won't go get into that uh, that fun politics because Keith and I actually end up talking about it, 
that a bunch of times. Anyway, um, the next the next thing I wanted to talk the next thing I wanted to talk about just to make sure was um, now that you're all riled up, um, how <laughs> Rangers fell. Now that you're all yeah. well, the whole thing stems from the fact that. It goes. It goes back to David White, who's you know who has been accused of tax evasion by HMRC, and they were paying taxes uh, over there for a long time, and that's what brought about the whole collapse of the original corporation, forced the liquidation, and the formation of a new company, the new club. And but even after that, there's been so much incompetence in the management that has come through since. It makes you how do you mess this up? And the accusations of you know, overspending for players, uh, you know, borrowing and going too deeply into debt for things like Wi-Fi at, at the at the at the stadium at Ibrox and things of that nature. It's like how do you do this? People, there have been accusations. They spent like uh, you know in, in a three-year stretch, they spent like fifty million dollars uh, on uh, uh, wages and other things like that. And now there's been you know, there was now the uh, Rangers management has demanded that all payments for season tickets for the coming season had to be made in cash, in full. They couldn't make payments. Fans couldn't make, use credit cards. And there was a uh, there was a person uh, based in uh, South Africa. Uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, uh, but he had he had formed a uh, group with Richard Guff, a Rangers legend. To try to uh, to get the first, they wanted the seat ticket holders. He wanted seat ticket holders to give give the money to him so they could buy the club. Uh, you know, he was calling for a boycott. Of, uh, David King is his name. Now I remember, and he was calling for a boycott. Seat ticket holders to boycott the Rangers to give pay him to enable him to uh, buy the club. But early in July, they gave that effort up. So uh, you know, the one story I saw on. Uh, on the Guardian say they they claim they need about thirty million they need to raise out of thirty million pounds to uh to operate the club and it's just like where's this money being spent? You know, what are these expenses going on? It's, it's reminding me of WUSA. You know, they claimed yeah. a forty million dollar budget for five years and they spent it all in less than one. It's the the management incompetence I look at it like I'm no business person, but I could, I swear I could do better than this. I don't know what in the world is going on. And, and the sad part is they've done so well. They've gotten successive promotions. They're in the first division now. They're one tail away, one championship away for getting back into the SPL, where they can finally get back together with Celtic. And it's and the insanity is just befuddling and confounding. It, it makes you wonder what in the world... It doesn't mean, you know, people always say the question, people always ask the question, what were they thinking? Well, I always say that question has uh, has um, one too many words in it. You're going to drop the first word, what? You're thinking not only have the right question, but the answer also becomes very obvious. The question is because what are they thinking? And they're not. And it's, it's sad. It's disgusting. I hate seeing it. And, you know, any soccer fan should hate seeing a club mismanaged so much like this, and it's it's mind-boggling, befuddling, maddening, disgusting all at once. So, 
<laughs> there's there's my rant rave number two for the evening. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, do you see them making it back into the SDL, or is that is this just another teetering bubble? Uh, that's a good question. I would. I mean, I thought you know the way until the recent stories came out, I thought for certain that this was going to be. They were going to be able to get to the SPL, if not next year, the following season. But now, who knows? You know, we may see the whole liquidation reformation again. Who, you know, I, I don't know what in the world is going to happen now if this, if this money crunch uh, is as real as the reports are saying it is. Now, I mean, obviously one of the, their problems is, I think Alan McCoyce is probably on a pretty large contract. Yeah, I'm sure that has something to do with it. But you know, people tend to forget, and this is something that's cropped up a lot over the last couple of, the last decade, especially since the turn of the century. You know, there's been talk that's cropped up periodically about Rangers and Celtic leaving Scotland and joining the Premier League. And people tend to forget, yeah, they're, they're the big dogs in Scotland, but if you put them in the Premier League with the budget and sponsorship they have, you're talking mid-table. You're mid-table for the most part. You know, we're talking a we're talking an Everton type of club here is what those two become. So the question yeah, because you, you, think want, of, you think about it this way, if they go into the Premier League, the money those two can get. Now Celtic doesn't spend any money to work a damn, but the money they get from the TV alone. That could wipe out deaths with Rangers easily. Yeah, but not, but that that's not going to happen. Not with Rangers being in the shape they're in now. That's not going to happen. There's no way. But first of all, if you were to do it, it's a package deal. You got to have both. You absolutely yeah. have to have both. There's no question about it. And that's not going to happen as long as Rangers are in this money crunch uh, until they can get themselves on a firmer financial footing and back up to the SPL. Yeah, the TV money is there, but you're still dealing with. Smaller, a smaller fan base, a smaller country. You know, it's it would be. They certainly wouldn't be uh, perennial top six finishers. I don't think. No. So, are you willing to trade? There's your choice. Are you willing to leave being top dogs in Scotland and have a chance to play in Europe every year for all that Premier League money? No, you're going to be fighting to maybe get a place in Europe at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know the answer to that, and I'm not sure I'd want to try to answer that question. Well, I mean, you see, you see the, the you see the places that like Celtic and I, I forget who else is up there that's going into Europe and out of Scotland, and they're they're just going to like the prelims and like qualifying. Right. I mean, so I mean, I there's a, there's probably a ninety nine percent chance that tomorrow tomorrow Celtic's completely knocked out. Yeah, yes. So the Scottish Premier League champion, the Scottish Premier League champion usually has to go with the qualification rounds for the Champions League. They usually don't get a direct passage into the uh, into the Champions League proper. Yeah, exactly. What is different now? Um, I have a huge issue with these um, these friendlies coming over here. Now I know a lot on a lot of people have been writing about the whole. Euro snobness of having the uh, EPL and the 
Syria uh, and all those teams coming over, and the, the players just practicing, basically. But the, the, the issue I had with all this, and, and I saw I saw this over um, a week ago, is what, when Man United came in and basically dismantled Los Angeles Galaxy and took them apart, it, it, it was, oh, that's just, they're just playing Man United. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. And then the New York media, when when the Red Bull beat Arsenal, and let's let's be honest, what that game was, that wasn't a friendly. That was Thierry Henry's testimonial that he's done. Pretty much, yeah, he's done. I mean, he's not saying it, and I think part of why we haven't heard his retirement talk is. I don't think Thierry Henry is one of those players that wants any fanfare. I, I, I've got this feeling about Thierry Henry. Retirement is going to be, he's going to be back in France, and it's going to be like a fax or a text. He's just going to say, yeah, I'm not coming back. And he doesn't yeah, it's entirely like, possible. But yeah, he's like the thing that's happening with um, Steven Gerrard right now. He hasn't, he's done after it. His contract's up after this year. Yeah. There, there's a thought. There's a thought that he might just not take the contract and walk. I mean, Jimmy Carragher basically didn't say anything until the last home game that he was done. But we didn't know that for years. I mean, he was a glorified coach for two years. Yeah. Well, first of Gerard, if when he does retire, he's not going to go to a swap. He's going to leave from Liverpool. There's no question about that. Thierry Henry, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big deal when he finally retires, and that was indeed a a testimonial match for him. But, yeah, here's, here's a couple of differences there. First of all, you know, L.A. Galaxy, in particular, the last half hour of the game, pretty much packed up and got on the bus and went home. They they did not put much into that game at all, whereas FC New Jersey did. And that's the, that's the difference, is, is you know, for both those clubs, Manu and Arsenal, it was, you know, it was the start of it all for them for their tours, and in particular for Manu for the champ the Champions Cup. So, yeah, I know the media went overboard with the uh, with the Arsenal FC New Jersey result, but I wouldn't read too much into that other because, like you said, a lot of that had to do with Thierry Henry playing against his old club and his old manager. Exactly. Exactly, and there's a there's a lot to say old about us legs, which is kind of which is kind of fun. Um, here's the other things that MLS kicked off today. MLS and um, NASL kicked off. I don't know if you've seen this yet. NASL has said that it's open for pro well. Well, that's that's kind of, that's uh, not something we've talked about previously. Um, it's certainly a change from uh, Mr. Peterson's previous stances. And uh, it's going to promote some, provoke some conversation, certainly. But oh, oh God, yes. Yeah, but the, what it comes down to is this: that in order to get that, uh, there has to be more than one league involved. And I don't see USL Pro or Emma, Emma, uh, Major League Soccer jumping up and saying, "Yeah, we'll we'll join you on this." I just I haven't seen any of that yet, and I don't think they will either. So it's it's you know, if they want to talk about it, great. I don't have a problem with being talked about at all, 
But um, at the end of the day, you need everybody cooperating, and that's just uh, that I just don't see happening. Right. Well, it provoked a lot of criticism, and none of it was involved with Aaron Stolar. I don't know where the hell he's been today because this uh, this would have been one of his very fun moments to come straight. I think Jeremy Osham apparently put away Twitter for the rest of the day because he got he got smacked with he got smacked with it. And I, I haven't seen Tannewald in a while, so I assume when they saw this all come down, they all just went, yeah, done. Not dealing with yeah. it. It's it's well, got, it's got maybe, to maybe, like I said, maybe they should realize what what I just said. It's it's a moot point unless everybody gets out born with it. They're, they're not going to. Um, and like I've said, I, yeah, I would love to see it. I think it would be great, but it's just not going to happen. Um, the people in MLS certainly aren't going to, to jump on board with it. So you convince most of these owners that, uh, yeah, we want you to do this, even though it means if your team is relegated, you're going to lose some value to your franchise, not to mention the players. Yeah, tell, tell, that to, um, you know, tell that to Robert Kraft. Tell that to Anthony Precourt and see what kind of response you get. Well, if that, if that had been the case, Chivas USA would be what at this point? They would be a travel division. team? <laughs> they'd, be a, they'd be a fucking travel team at yeah, this point. Get those, get the, yeah, talk to these new owners of Chivas or whatever they're going to be called and tell them they're going to put this system and see how long they stick around. Yeah, well, and there there is a, there is a random rumor going around out of um, California right now that the that with the uh, Sacramento Kings trying to buy the Sacramento Republic, that part of that deal is that they're going to go down and buy Chivas and absorb both teams into one. Wait a minute, the Maloof brothers? The Maloof, I think the Maloof brothers still have the Kings. But the, yes, um, they King, do. They, the, haven't they been trying to sell that team? I th- I think they I think they originally did. I don't re- I don't remember exactly with the Kings, but um there there was yeah I think late last week that um the Sacramento Kings are looking into buying up the uh, Sacramento Republic to um, boost the MLS stock of because there's still one more team out there you have to bring in, and then someone floated the rumor that if that goes through, the Republic will buy up Chivas and move them up. Absorb well, them. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I trust the Maloof brothers at this stage, so we'll just, uh, I'll take that, I'll take all that with, with a grain of salt. We, we, almost, we almost next week have to get Matt Hoffman and Alicia Rodriguez on to debunk yeah. this, just just to see where this is going. So I saw that come. Down, I saw that come down. Like, oh God, here we go again. With because the thing with Chivas is we don't know what's happening. Have we heard no. Nelson Rodriguez talk about anything? I mean, we're hearing more about John Ben Jovi losing his bid for the Buffalo Bills, and we're hearing about Chivas for God's sakes. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the, Alicia. If you're out there. Please uh, help us get on the case. We need you. Uh, it, it's I, I, the idea. I think is a good one uh, because 
and we've talked about this before, they're going to be the second team in Los Angeles. There's no question. There's no other way around it. Uh, it always happens that way, with the exception of you know, New York City FC. The second team is always just that, the second team. I'd be a great idea to take a move of Sacramento. I'm just not sure what the Maloof's running is about. Now, 305, is this, is this Matt Hoffman? No. No, it's not ah, uh, are, are, you, are you guys listening to me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, uh, no, my name is uh, Roger. I'm actually just uh, one of the co-founders of the United States Association of Football Leagues. I don't know if you guys uh, have listened about us. 305, Miami, right? Although I'm actually living on, on Baltimore, Maryland. Okay, but 305 is the Miami area code, right? That is where I come from. Yeah, that I absolutely okay. right. So you were calling in. What, what did what did you have to say for us today? Well, you guys touched the the issue of promotion and relegation, which is basically uh, what I'm most interested uh, for. And I think that you guys are right. You touched that uh, that that it is going to be very tough to convince any investors that are already associated with MLS to go to a promotional relegation system. But uh, I think that change has to come from the bottom. That is uh, actually what we are trying to achieve. The change is not going to, going to come from the people that is part of, of a monopoly, you know? And right. uh, 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 we believe, uh, and I just wanted to know what you guys think about it, that the change, uh, the, the best chance for ProRail and an open system should be to be built from the bottom up and, uh, and as a grassroots movement. And I just want to make a point real quick. There is an issue that is usually ignored when it comes to promotional relegation, which is the issue is treated uh, isolated. And it is never addressed that the role of promotional relegation on a club soccer league is exactly the same as the World Cup's qualifiers. And it is exactly the same role on the Champions League preliminary rounds. It's just a mechanism in order to open the game to all potential clubs when it is at the, at the club level, nations when it is at the, at the World Cup, or, or other clubs when it is on a, con, uh, on a continental champion, Champions League. And the people that come with issues against ProRail always ignore that. Program is just a mechanism. What is important is the principle of inclusion, which is a trademark of the game. You know, and you can see the best example is the World Cup, which is open to more than 200 national associations, some of the poorest and smaller nations of the planet. And promotion relegation is important in order to capture that spirit. Well, you make some very good points. Uh, I, 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 you know, I do agree that you know, more in this case is better. But when I, the one thing I've talked about, uh, you know, putting aside the, the investor resistance that you would get, put that aside. Uh, the, to me, the big problem is just that it's size, and I'm talking about the size of this country. And you know, to get you, people tend to people who who uh, tend to forget, you know, this is not England, it's not Spain, it's not Germany, it's Italy. It's a country that's 3,000 miles from coast to coast. And with a lot of disparity in city sizes, 
uh, that have team disparity in terms of the population and exactly. travel across this country, uh, you know, from a smaller city to a bigger city is very, very difficult uh, in terms of cost as well as logistics. To me, there's just not, even if all the leagues were together as one, even all that, re- the revenue, you pull all the revenue, I don't think it's just enough revenue in the game to make it realistically financially feasible. Are you sure? Let, let me ask you something. What if, now, when, uh, this is another point that is, in my opinion, highly manipulated. There is not enough revenue. Well, uh, what happens if we, when we choose uh, what is the admission price for a league? We have a lot of choices, you know. Uh, MLS, in this case, decided to charge $50 million plus. Well, it, it's actually tough to make profit when the, study, the starting point is on minus $50 million. What happens, this is actually kind of our approach, what happens if, if the entry point of a league, instead of being uh, the exclusive uh, right of, uh, of the 1%, is a few thousand dollars? Now, if the entry point is affordable, well, maybe a, a group of fans could uh, do some crowdfunding, get creative, get sponsors, and they could create humble clubs. What happens if instead of having 20 humongous clubs that, that, that are worth millions of dollars, we create a system in which we have hundreds of maybe thousands of clubs a lot cheaper? And actually the point, I just want to touch real quick, the point about travel distances uh, uh, actually makes a, a very good argument for, for promotion of relegation. How, how would you solve the problem of travel distances? Well, this is what promotion of relegation does. As you go down on the pyramid, the leagues are more regional. So the clubs that have less resources travel less. And as you go top the pyramid, there is a lot more uh, potential profit than you travel a bit more. The system is proportional. It is actually the best possible design if you think about travel distances. I am amazed how anyone could use the, uh, the issue of travel distances, making a case against promotion relegation instead of. What makes no sense is having a club like the LA Blues traveling all the way to the Caribbean <laughs> on a league that doesn't promote to anywhere and doesn't have any type, of, any type of incentive. And then, ironically, some people use the condition of the lower league in order to make a case against change, which completely <laughs> blasts my mind. Well, well, thank you for thank you for your calling. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad actually, a that we got a caller. It's not a um, friend of the, it's not a, one of our co-hosts that I can call in. So it's pretty, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you very much. We do appreciate you calling. Believe me. Well, thank you very much for giving the the chance to 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 speak my mind, and I would really like to know what you guys think of the chances of a different approach succeeding, because that is exactly what we are planning to do for next summer. If we are successful, then promotional relegation and open league will be here. So it is, just, it is going to be interesting to see how the whole thing develops. Yeah, uh, just a sec. Um, I'm 
All right. Let me get, I, I'm actually writing this up for one of the sites I'm writing for. I just don't know which site's going to get this. Um, I don't think we will see it in our lifetime. Now, keep in mind, I'm under 40. So that's okay. saying a lot. That's saying a lot. I don't think the current system of USFA, MLS, and what it currently is will adjust to something like that. Because what society is, is they want the, they want the rich to keep taking from the poor. Because what we, what, we, what we saw is when the economy fell down, it was we can't expand and make anything legal. Yeah. What if, if proper things align? With all the with all the teams that we have here in the states, and there's a lot of them. If if there was a direct pyramid, it would work. I mean, can I I live in Buffalo, New York. Keep in mind, this is how much fun it would be for me for like the Columbus Crew to come come ninety to, to play FC Buffalo. That would be awesome. Or or Rochester or the Rochester Rhinos coming over. That, I mean. We were at one time going to have an MLS team in Rochester, so it, it it could be fun. And keep in mind what the NASL is is a lot of the old teams. I mean, you've got you've got a lot of teams that are have the old names that are coming back. So would it would it be fun and would it work under a real ideal system? Yes, I think you can get through the travel and all that. And Keith has some of a point, but if that's the case. How does how does Seattle how does Seattle get to play Tampa? They figure it out. It's not it's not like it's not like traveling is what it was like in the fifties. It's pretty fair. You can get you can get to work. I just don't really think we're gonna see it as long as the fifty to sixty year olds are in the sport. And I, I don't mean to smack you on that, Keith, but I'm just saying no, there is no, I know a what you're, upper, I think your point. Believe me, I think your point is a valid one. You're right. I think the upper crust of what society is in the sport is too staunch is too, and is too scared for the sport to actually take off. Because realistically, and I know we have argued this, that the European calendar can't work because of the other leagues. Well, here's the one. Here's the wild thing, folks. Soccer fans are fans of other sports, so it's not like, oh my God, if I can't watch the NFL, I never watch it. I yes, I watch. I watch way too much soccer. We've already established that many times. I write about too much of it. But I think if in the ideal world, soccer could be the top sport in the league, in the in the country, and it, it's getting there. But here's the problem. You have the older generation that doesn't want it to, to do it. My the the thirty year olds have to get in to the upper regions of it and change the thing. As much trouble as I give Ted Westerfeld for some of the stuff he says and his group of going. The guy does make some good points and I don't I would love to and I've joked with this, I would love to go out to dinner with that man once and just pick his brain and see what he really is about. See what Ted asks, where he comes from on this. You get a real coherent thought because I have a strange feeling that Ted is smarter than he lets on. 
to realistically make it go beyond, say, at most three divisions. The others would have to be all regionalized below that. And even then, I think, I think one day we'll see MLS into two divisions, but the structural and the financial structure will be such that if you drop down to that second division, it won't hurt that much because it's the only way you're going to make it acceptable to the owners. Yeah, exactly. Now, we're, we're coming up on the last three minutes of the show, and this has actually been a lot more fun than I oh, yeah. originally planned it. I originally planned it to be. And I, heck, I found out that more people other than fans of our show are actually listening, which is just yeah. a lot of fun. It's <laughs> a lot of fun. So, Oh, yeah. Anyway. Great. So next week, Keith is going to be at the same soccer pitch in Columbus, Ohio. So we'll hear more <laughs> random people in the more random people in the background, which is going to be a lot more yes. fun. And hopefully, hopefully, we can get a hold of Alicia. If and I, she's probably not listening, not knowing her her most recent rant about taking her baby out to the out to work in a coffee place and having having kids harass her was kind of funny. <laughs> I love Alicia when she gets a little balloon things. But anyway, hopefully we can get a hold of her for next week because I do kind of want to talk talk about this. And I, I haven't been on air with Alicia in about a year and a half, so it's kind of fun. And, of course, next week we'll get a little bit closer to the EPL, so we'll, we'll get, we won't be as crazy about the EPL as we did last year when we had tried to have someone on from every team, which that kind of backfired on us. But we'll we'll, we'll talk about, it. and we're getting close. We're getting close to the time where hopefully Keith can get a full hour of Man United talk. So guys, <laughs> share share this, share this because as much as I want this to be as painful for me as possible. Let's get two hundred. Let's get two hundred listens on this, just just so I can te- so I can email Keith in the morning, going, "The show's yours. It's all Man United. I'll be I'll be your co-host." Because I can ima- I can imagine him sitting at his desk with a just oh here, the the random bursts of laughter he gets from my emails during the day. So, <laughs> well, anyway, um. This has, been, this has been Stephen Brandt and Keith Kokinda. You are listening to Yellow Card Podcast, Western New York's only soccer show, and that kind of alarms me too. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> and it's going to come. That's going to come to help us in the future. I hope. Anyway, Stephen Brandt and Keith Kokinda. We will see you next week. <laughs>